I want to thank Musa and the Saad family for hosting this class. I want to thank Charles for pushing me to do this class. It's your brainchild, this class, and uh, we should only have many, many more classes learning together Misilat Yesharim. Misilat Yesharim is a book which is historic and part of our canon and tradition. It was of the Ba'alei Musar and is of the Ba'alei Musar, the staple book with regards to proper conduct as a Jew in this world. It's written by Rabbi Moshe Hayim Lozato, otherwise known as Ramchal. Ramchal lived in the 18th century. If I'm not mistaken, the years of his life were 1709, and he died in 1746, which means he died at 37 years old. Not Ramchal, what's that? Also below the age of 40. So Ramchal, as, as you're pointing out, Rabbi, below the age of 40, was nonetheless well known for being a Mikubal of the first caliber, uh, which of course calls to our attention uh, that well-known statement that we're often told that you can't learn Kabbalah before you're the age of 40. Well, he died at 37. But Ramchal, for learning, and more specifically for teaching Kabbalah below the age of 40, was the, uh, was the topic of much discussion. He was very controversial in his lifetime. At the age of 20, he was already controversial. Because Ramchal, at the age of 20, Musa, you listening? At the age of 20, Ramchal was describing his conversations with Magidim, which means to say he described the conversations he had with angelic sources. And although we have a long history of that, Maran Rabbi Yosef Karo wrote a book called Magid Mesharim, in which he describes having these conversations with a Magid or Magidim. Ramachal, at the age of 20, it was a bit controversial for him to be claiming and telling about his conversations with them and his visions of Eliyahu Hanavi and Moshe Rabbeinu. And as a result, he had to be Gole. He left Padua, Italy, where he was born and raised, and made his way, ultimately speaking, to Amsterdam, where he wrote Mesilat Yisharim. There was a Gezera Hamura against him to stop preaching and even writing Kabbalah. And as a result, that's really the book we have in front of us, Mesilat Yisharim and Derech Hashem, although it's embedded with much Kabbalistic and mystical thought, what meets the eye is not Kabbalistic, and he had to do that. He wasn't able to, in an overt way, be teaching and even writing Kabbalah at that time period in his life. That's the story of Ramchal. There's lots of other interesting aspects and features of his life and his teachings, but that, for our purposes, will describe the personality who wrote this very important and uh, classic book. So Ramchal begins the book here with his Hakdama. Hakdama is, of course, the introduction. He's before he's going to discuss anything of content, he wants to describe to you, A, the mission statement, and B, what caused it, what brought him to envisioning this as an important book to be written. Misilat Yesharim, the word already, the words already, you understand the word misila means a smooth paved, smooth paved road, and Yesharim means for the right, for the ones who are walking straight. So he's going to describe in this book, as he'll tell us in just a moment or two, the character traits that a person who's walking on that straight, smoothly paved path will have and should have. He writes, Amar ha-mechaber ha-chibur ha-zeh lo chibartiv lelamed l'vnei adam et asheh lo yadao. This uh, composition, this book which I wrote, is not to teach anyone who's going to be reading and learning from it matters or ideas they didn't know already. Ela lehazkiram et ha-yadua lahem kevar umfusam eslam pirsum gadol. It's only to remind us and anyone else who learns from it that which we already know and is already quite famous. 
as already calling to attention the the irony but almost the absurdity of such a statement and, and mission it's a book which is written just to remind us of matters which are already well known and famous ki says you're not going to find in my words in this book which he'll describe to us his direction and his angle on setting them forth matters which are not well known already to people everything is already well known but we don't have enough of them based upon and as a direct consequence of them being so well known it's for that reason that we forget and neglect them when we think about our own potential in life when we think about our circumstances we oftentimes neglect to realize the absolute potential it's only someone from outside of your family outside of your community hears about what you have and reminds you or calls to your attention the capabilities that you have with what you're given that's what he's describing when you're born into it you forget you don't realize you're never able to appreciate what you have it's on many occasions the way i've described Ramban Nachmani's approach to the Mishkan. You see, Ma'amad Har Sinai ends tragically. In Parashat Kittisa, we read about Heta Egel. Heta Egel, I've argued on more than one occasion, is a direct consequence of everything being revealed to Am Yisrael. Ma'amad Har Sinai is, We see, says Rashi, based on Midrashe Hazal, we saw sound, something which is... Uh, unprecedented will never be repeated it means absolute rev- revelation it means nivuah in a way which was aspaklaria hameira was something that we were able to see and understand and as a result ironically the matter our relationship our connectedness to god became stale and trite because the more exposure you have to something, the more callous you become about it, the less appreciative, the more intrigued, the less intrigued you are, the mystique, the mystery is lost. Ramban, therefore, as I understand it, explains that the Mishkan was a way of having a tikkun for Chaita Egel. Ramban points out in his commentary in several places that the Mishkan was, if you look at Ma'amad Har-Sinai, it was this microcosm of Ma'amad Har-Sinai. It was, of course, the Mishkan Ha'idut, because the Idut, the testimony of the Mishkan was the Luchot Ha'idut. They were testimony of Ma'amad Har-Sinai. But think for a moment about the difference between Har-Sinai and the Mishkan. Whereas Har-Sinai was exposed, was Niglala Kol, the Mishkan was the opposite. It was all behister. Everything was closed off. The Mishkan then was in a very real way, so to speak, the reminding us, the realization that you can't, if you have everything exposed to you, you'll never actually appreciate it. You'll never actually see it for what it is. You sometimes need something removed. You need something obscured. Or alternatively, says Mesilat Yesharim, you need to be reminded about it explicitly and consistently, he'll say, in order to appreciate and understand what it is that you have at your potential, what it is that you're able to and must achieve. It's, so to speak, the way the Mekubalim envision, whereas existence is melo kol ha'aretz kebodo, whereas existence is made with the glory and, and grandeur of HaKadosh Baruch Hu abounding, 
we nonetheless have the question of where is it that we'll find that? Because that hidden nature of existence, the fact that we have his Panim, it's a very appropriate message for this time period in truth. In this time period, when we're missing the Mikdash, so to speak, it's the opportunity to focus most on well, what it is that we search for, what it is that we have potential to. If we had Mikdash at our, finger, at our fingertips, if we were connected in that fashion, the appreciation, the truthful connection would be lost. That's what he's describing in just a few lines over here. He says, I have to remind you something that you already know, but you've forgotten it because it's so much rote already for you. It's something you've become accustomed to. Sometimes I'm suggesting and pointing out it needs to be hidden, lost, in order to create the longing and appreciation and understanding. Alternatively, he says, some reminders. A reminder from time to time. He says, it's for that reason, since it's so forgotten, since it's so mitzvot anashim melumada, a matter which becomes so simple to us, and we forget its profundity, we neglect its importance, just reading this book, just hearing it read to you once, will not be sufficient. You'll read it once, and you'll assume, and maybe rightfully so, but I knew all that already. What was the Hidush? There was nothing novel in it. It's the repetition. It's the realization that there's something nestled in the words, that there's a message beyond that which perhaps I knew already, but I took for granted. That's the true mystery, mystique, and, and importance of this book. In truth, it's well known in the name of Gaon Mivilna. Gaon Mivilna is born, if I'm not mistaken, in 1720, but he lives until the end of the 18th century, so he overlaps with the time of Ramchal by, what, 17 or so years, eight, eight, 27 years or so, but uh, he lived in Vilna, far from Italy, from Padua, even far from Amsterdam, where Ramchal was, but the legend has it, his students attest to the fact that he perhaps said this, he said, I, if, if I was alive during the time of Ramchal, I would walk from Vilna all the way to Padua, to Italy, just to hear the words, and Kaonmi Vilna was well known for not wasting a single minute of his time, and his statement was in every chapter of Mesilat Yesharim, there's not a single word, which is a superfluous word. He was careful with every word that he put down on the paper. What's that? How old was he when he wrote it? If I'm not mistaken, he writes it in 1740, which is seven seven years before he dies, so he's 30, he's 32 or so, so 32, 33, that's right. 37, he was dying in 17, oh, no, no, he was dying in 17, oh, yeah. Anyway, so he's about 30 years old. So anyway, so that's that's what he writes. Okay. Yeah, all right. And every word. Anyway. The true appreciation, what you'll truly get from this book is the hatmada, is the involvement with it on a consistent basis, the hazara, the repeating of it. In the world of the Ba'ale Musa, they had a tradition. I once met a person who was... was uh, received this tradition, how to read Sifre Musa with a certain song and repetitive nature, almost this trance-like state, you just keep repeating the words until they enter into you in a way 
that you couldn't have had had you not repeated them in such a fashion. Says, by nature, we forget these matters, even though they're so apparent to us. And by reading it, by repeating it, it'll be will place upon our hearts the obligation which we uh, which we have incumbent upon us. Says if you look at the nature of human beings, those who are smart, those who are wise, those who have a precise mind, they'll pay attention to those sorts of matters, the matters that uh, seem to uh, require the intellect more. Some people will spend time delving into nature and the understandings of existence. Others will focus on uh, mechanics and engineering. Still others will try to uh, become craftsmen in a perfect fashion, in a, in a way that puts them above others. Others will enter into Kodesh, meaning Torah. What sort of Torah will they be involved with? Again, those who are wise, those who are enlightened. Some will look into pilpul halacha, they'll try to understand halacha at its deepest level. That's a challenge, that's a class which challenged your mind, which caused you to think about it differently, which provoked your creativity. Maybe it's a midrash, you're piecing together an idea, applying it in some uh, creative and novel fashion. Others in terms of how to apply the halacha to everyday life. There'll be very few There are very few who focus themselves on the word shalem, of course, means complete. Avodah is worship. How many people will be focused on the complete worship? Al ha'ahava, love of God. Yir al ha'yira, or fear. Al ha'devekut, that cleaving to God. Ve'al kol she'ar chelkeha hasidut, and all other matters of piety. Those ahava, yira, and devekut will be words that Moshe Rabbeinu will repeat to us in Sefer Devarim more than once. He says, we neglect these concepts. Of course, it almost appears from Sefer Devarim that Moshe Rabbeinu turns to Am Yisrael and says, listen, I've given you laws, I've given you approach to life, but I haven't really defined for you. And I'll repeat it again and again what it means to enter into a relationship with Borei Olam. Says, says Mesilat Yesharim, that's what we generally speaking neglect. We don't pay proper attention. It's reminiscent in a sense to the introduction of Chobot HaLevavot in which Rabbeinu Bechaye Ibn Pekuda suggests that the, he's writing a book on Chobot HaLevavot on the obligation of the heart as opposed to what everyone else is focused on and that's Chobot HaEvarim most people will focus on activities on the coarse nature of humanity on what we do on how to do it on the implications but to focus on who we are on relationship on love and fear on, 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 on connectedness the reason we don't focus is not per se every if I were to ask any of us if you were to ask yourself uh, is it important of course you'd say it's important if you were to ask any average person everyone would say that is the fundamental of our existence is finding a connectedness to God 
Everyone will tell you that if you want to truly be a hacham, if you want to live up to what it means to be wise, you have to be proficient in the ways of ahava, yira, devekut, and so forth. Ach, the reason we don't focus on them, the reason people who are wise and are delving into the deeper, more intricate matters of halakha, of life, of wisdom and existence, is because it appears to us to be so apparent. We neglect matters which are most apparent. I bring you back to the Ma'amad Har Sinai exposure. Everything was exposed. Matters became so apparent to us that in a moment of somewhat simplicity, where we could and should say, well, Moshe is absent, but he's coming. Where we could and should say, but we have an adherence to Torah, to Agadosh Baruch Hu. We couldn't think like that because we were so exposed beyond the simple, beyond realizing that we need to tap into that which is right in front of us. We neglect as human beings simplicity all the time, and I've said on many occasions that it's at the most critical moments that we're reminded that a connection, that a relationship is built upon very simple features. It's Rosh Hashanah when we sound the shofar, the shofar is at its core just a simple sound. Tikiata shofar is certainly simple. Even shivarim and teruah, the sounds of cries, that's a simple cry. That's a simple connectedness. That's what it is that defines at its core the depth of a relationship. I've more than once quoted as well, Rabbi Shimon Mikinon, he's quoted in She'elot Tishbot Rivash, he was a 13th century French rabbi, he's uh, reported to have said the following, even after having learned, as Musa, the mystical sides of Tefillah, <laughs> once he understood the Kavanot in the appropriate fashion, the way he told his students that he approached HaKadosh Baruch Hu was like a child beseeching his parent. In other words, you can get to a level of depth in your understanding of existence but when it comes to a connection it's oftentimes just the most simple approach it's just tapping that's right I mean I, I was I, I've told this as well I've I once attempted to play tennis and I was given a book in order to get the techniques of tennis didn't work out all that well but anyway in the book what it what it said is people study and you should study the techniques of the game but ultimately speaking when you throw the ball up in the air and you're about to serve over the net you're just tapping into row you're just tapping into what you know to do that's what kind of underlies the nature of your game your technique and your and the things that you've worked on and the skills but when it comes down to it, it's just simplicity with regards to entering into it. So Mesilat Yesharim is describing, since there is this simple nature, we're focused on all the intricate and elaborate details instead of realizing there needs to be a little bit of time to understand how to throw the ball into the air. There needs to be more time just to understand how to hit the ball. The techniques and the details that therefore will then define the game are certainly important, but to start and to remember and to not neglect the basics and the fundamentals, well, that's what it's all about. I remember once reading Rabbi Salvechik who pointed out that the way of Judaism in contrast to other religions is our tefillah is very simple. We don't have organs that play in our tefillah. We generally speaking don't have many choirs. There's not much theatrics. Look at different religions and different approaches. They're oftentimes very different. Our connectedness at its core, as Mesilat Yesharim is reminding us, is simple.
simple in nature. Now, simple does not mean that you don't need to think about it. Simple, since it is simple, therefore, generally speaking, tells us don't pay attention to it, and we lose track of it. He says, the people that you'll generally speaking uh, see learning works of, we'll call it Musar, of Devekut, of Yirav, Ahava, are those who have Gasemoach, they have thicker minds. In other words, they're not such deep thinkers. They're the ones you'll find. Everyone else assumes they know it already. Uh, it's already a kind of the way of the world. When you see a person getting, quote, mithased, more pious, more righteous, more connected, what do you say about him? You say, I didn't know that guy was so stupid. I was like, why is he so stupid? That's what he's focused on. He can't focus on higher matters. He says, this way, this approach, this mannerism that we have, which is already natural to us, is, is, is terrible to both the wise ones as well as the average person. Because as a result of our neglect of it, we've all forgotten what true hasidut is, and it became yakar, it became something precious, something unique. It shouldn't be that unique. If it is simple, then we should all be tapping into it. But we've forgotten it because we neglect to pay attention to it because we assume and realize that it is quote unquote simple. You'll have extremes. You have the wiser people who won't pay attention to it, and then you'll have the less wise people who won't be able to understand it. Again, you'll get to the tennis game. You'll say that the people who are better at tennis are focused on the steps five, six, and seven instead of steps one and two and three and four, uh, whereas the people like me can't even grasp steps one, two, three, and four, right? No, so you'll have nothing in the middle. You'll have nobody paying attention to the fundamentals of what it means to establish a relationship with God. People have become... Uh, accustomed to thinking what it means to be more mithased means I say more mizmoretihilim, perhaps I have more viduyim, somot kashi, maybe I, f- I fast more, tvilot kerah, vashelek, not so common any longer, but I'll immerse myself in snow and and, and ice, I'll torture myself to the extent it's coming back yeah. into. Oh, that's right, it's coming, it's into fashion now, that's right, that's right. Kulam divarim asher bahem. These are all matters which are, again, external attempts to affect ourselves. And whereas the vision and the description he's giving us, and he'll repeat it to us again, is this is inherent in you. This is your instinct. You just don't pay attention to it. It's into a hasidut amitia nezav and nechmad. Rachok nisiyosichlen kizet avar pashut milta de laramya ale de inish lava daativ afal pishikvar kvuim belev kol adam yashar hathalota visodotav. Even though we have imprinted, embedded within ourselves the beginning of hasidut. Um, the first steps to if you don't involve yourself with them 
you will see the details, but you won't appreciate them. You'll be able to observe them, but not understand what you're looking at. You'll just pass by them. They'll become matters which are, again, neglected with regards to what they stand for when a person is handed potential, when a person's born into the opportunity for greatness and never told that, never reminded that, never exposed to a world that doesn't have it, never revealed a circumstance, a situation where they're forced to tap into it, they forget about it. They don't realize on it. They don't capitalize on that potential, which is handed to them. Don't for a ma- minute uh, imagine that these issues, these matters, these characteristics are innate, are intuitive to the extent that we don't need mechanisms to tap into them. Don't imagine that it'll just be intuitive for me to love God or to fear Him or to connect to Him. You'll need to find the passageway. Not to say that it will be difficult per se, but you'll have to overcome the distractions, he says. You'll have to overcome the inclinations and other directions. There are plenty of ways and passageways that lead us away. Where and how will you possibly find the vantage point, the direction to these sorts of matters if you're not searching for it, if you're not seeking it out? It won't just appear to you. God won't just appear to you and lay up a direction for connecting to him. It's a matter which will and does take much work, repetitive work, thought. Um, intuition will play and ask will play a role. But ultimately speaking, the only way we will potentially be successful with this is through hatmada, through hazara, through hazkara, through repetitive action, through reminder on a constant basis, through realization and understanding of ourselves and the world around us. Baruch Adonai Amen.